Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Oh, fantastic. We are wrapping up a series on the book of Nehemiah. The title of this series is called A Great Work. Somebody say a great work. And what we've seen over the last four weeks is how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things so that he gets all the glory. The great work comes from the greater one within us. Can you say amen? We've seen how God would take Nehemiah, a cupbearer. He was a, a, a man after God's heart, was serving a foreign king in a foreign land. And, and after 120 years of, of the walls of Jerusalem being in disrepair, God would speak to Nehemiah and call him home to repair what's been broken. The title of the topic, I want to finish this series, and I think this title is so appropriate today. If you're taking notes, because we believe that history makers are note takers, I want you to write this down. Finishing strong. Finishing strong. We're going to wrap up this series, and we're going to finish the series strong. How many of you want to finish this year strong? I mean, here we are in the last month of 2022. I don't know what your goals were in January, but my heart for you, especially today, is that God would renew your faith to finish strong. How many of you want to cross the finish line of life, not staggering or struggling, but you want to cross the finish line in strength? Come on, talk to me. You see, God wants his people to finish what they've started. You know, emotions will help you start things, but how many of you know they don't help you finish things? Sometimes we get started in excitement and enthusiasm, but when those feelings leave, sometimes our commitment leaves with it. God wants to help us finish the things that we've started. A resume of inconsistency is a poor witness to a watching world. God wants his people to cross the finish line in strength. And we'll see in this last episode of, of, of this series in Nehemiah's life, we'll see how God helps us to finish strong. Look at Nehemiah chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. All throughout this journey, we've seen Nehemiah run into opposition. It's amazing how every time that you move forward in God, you are met with opposition. Uh, for some of you, I would tell you this, adversity validates your destiny. Uh, you're running into trouble because you're moving forward in the purposes of God. Some of you think, well, man, why are all these bad things happening in my life? Am I doing something wrong? No, you're probably doing something right. Because when you gain ground in the kingdom, somebody else is losing ground. And the devil never gives up without a fight. Can I have an amen? We'll see this confrontation, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1, Sam Ballot, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. Verse 2, so Sambalat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Somebody say, oh no. Turn your name and say, oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> Notice what's happening here. This is a setup. Can I tell you? The enemy will set you up to get you upset. Yes, yes. Come meet with us. 
on the plane of, oh, no. He says, but I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied, this is a classic verse. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work. Somebody say great work. He says, I'm doing a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave them the same reply. It's amazing. How many of you know the devil's relentless? Four times they sent the same message. And each time Nehemiah said, I can't go meet with you. I'm doing something great. Why would I leave something great to get involved with your hate? Mm-hmm. First thing I want you to write down is this. If you're going to finish strong, number one, you've got to stay on the wall. You've got to stay on the The wall. You see, the wall represented the assignment, the kingdom task that God had given Nehemiah. And God wanted Nehemiah to stay focused on what was in front of him. You got to stay on the wall. Here's what I've learned about the enemy of our soul. That if he can't defeat you, he'll distract you. And some of you, the enemy is planting things in your life, in your path, and it's simply a distraction. When you sense the enemy trying to distract you, you need to say, oh, no, not today. You know, when I read this verse, how many of you have like a memory association? And if you hear a song or you see something, it draws you back to a memory or a moment in your life. Every time I read Nehemiah 6.3, I think about this moment. It probably happened 12, 13, maybe 14 years ago. Uh, at the time, I was working with our, co- our Bible college students here at the church, and we would teach class on Thursday nights. And so this particular Thursday night, Joyce Meyer was in Baton Rouge. How many appreciate Mama Joyce? Oh, yeah. Mama Joyce was in Baton Rouge. We heard that she was at the River Center. And so I said, hey, let's cancel class And let's go take a field trip to hear Mama Joyce. So we had about 40 or 50 students, and so that's what we did. We met at the church, and then we all carpooled, and we drove downtown to to listen to Joyce Meyer. And so as we got out and started walking into the building, I mean, there were people everywhere. And we saw a crowd of people that were protesting the Joyce Meyer Conference. They had their signs, and they were giving out literature, and they they were yelling and screaming things, all in the name of God, okay? I mean, protesting her ministry, and and so, man, there was this kind of this confrontation. I got these students with me. I thought, man, we got to get past these people. I got to get in this building, and so we I said, come on, guys, follow me, and so we start walking, and I hear somebody say, Mike Heyman, is that you, Mike Heyman? How many of you know when somebody calls your name, you just kind of stop? I shouldn't have stopped, all right? I should have kept on going. But I kind of double-clutched, and I looked up. Get over here, Mike Heyman. I want to talk to you. I'm like, man, I got nothing to say to you. And the students are looking at me. Here's this moment. What are we going to do? I said, listen, if you want to talk to me, send me an email because I ain't got time for this. So we went on into the conference, and we had a great time, and then we left. I get to the office the next morning, and I check my email. Brother had sent me an email. And it wasn't just a few words. 
it was an entire diatribe. I mean, it was a, a manifesto, three pages long, and it was scripture after scripture. How many know that the devil can misuse scripture? I mean, just blasting me, blasting the church, saying all kinds of mean things. And when I see that, I feel like, okay. How many ever been so angry you felt it just crawl up your neck? Like, okay, here we go. Smoke coming off the keyboard, man. And I, I was, it was therapeutic. Come on, how many's ever, how many's ever typed up something and thank God you never sent it? Before I could press sin, I felt the Holy Spirit put on the brakes and say, uh-uh-uh-uh, you're getting off of the wall. You got to, you're doing a great work. Why would you get off the wall to come down to the level of your critics? So you know what I did? I erased everything, and I felt like, well, I told him to send me an email. He did. He at least needs a response. So I said, Nehemiah 6.3. I didn't even put the verse. I was going to make him look it up. Come on, somebody. Nehemiah says, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down to your level to meet with you. Why should the work stop while I leave it and engage with you? Come on, somebody. Let me say it this way. Don't get drawn into debate when you're doing something great. You see, there's something about distraction here. The enemy would love to set you up to get you upset. The problem with engaging your critics is simply this. When you engage that kind of critique, then you're setting down what's in your hand and you're picking up what's in their hand. Listen, why, why would you be busy about their thing when you need to stay committed to God's thing? Turn to your neighbor and say, stay on the wall. Don't be distracted. Man, you're, you're doing a great work. You know, sometimes, and, and I know in this age of social media, and everybody's got a platform, and everybody's got a microphone, and everybody's got something to say. How many of you have ever been attacked, and then in your mind, you had these conversations that just lasted for days? You know, sometimes I get so drawn into something, and it's like it's consuming my thought life. And, you know, I've got precious real estate. I've got limited resource up here. And when I'm having these conversations in my head, it's totally distracting me from the work at hand. I heard somebody say recently that arguing with a fool is like playing chess with a pigeon. They poop all over the board, then they strut around like they've won. Come on, somebody. I love what Winston Churchill said. He said this, you will never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. You're not going to get to where you're going if you feel like you have to engage every critique. Here's what was happening. The wall was now finished, except for hanging the doors in the gates. And the enemy knew he was losing and couldn't stop Nehemiah. And so if he couldn't defeat him, at least he would try to distract him. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 7, 35. He says, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Come on, my commitment to you as your pastor is to help keep you focused on your God-given assignment. 
They're going to criticize you. They're going to come against you. They're going to attack you. They're going to make up things about you that aren't true. But guess what? Just stay on the wall. And if you stay on the wall, you outlast your critics. Come on, they'll criticize you, but critics come and go. Come on, talk to me. Man, there's a critic around every corner. Don't throw rocks at every dog that barks. Don't engage and get off your God-given purpose. Man, keep moving forward in your destiny. Outlast your critics. Stay on the wall, brick after brick, stone upon stone. Man, stay at your post and do what God's called you to do. Come on, outlast your critics. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm still here. They said I'd never make it. Come on, tell them that. They said I'd never make it but I'm still here. Don't give up when you feel like quitting, when you're getting discouraged. If you're not seeing any progress, stay on the wall. Can somebody say amen? Now look at what it says in Nehemiah 6, verse 5. So the fifth time, now they went four times, and each time Nehemiah responded the same way. I'm doing a great work. The fifth time, the Bible says, Samballot's servant came with an open letter in his hand. And this is what it said. There's a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it's true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that's why you're building the wall. Oh, according to his reports, or let me say it this way in modern terminology, sources say, how many of you just get nauseous when you hear on the news, sources tell us, and then everything they say after that is supposed to be legit. Well, who are your sources? According to his reports, you plan on being their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you, saying, look, there is a king in Judah. Oh, you can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. So I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. Listen, it's bait it's bait. Come on. Don't take the bait. Come on. I suggest you talk it over with me. Uh, look at what verse 8 Nehemiah replies. He says, there is no truth in any part of your story. You're making the whole thing up. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Number two, I want you to write this down. Not only do we stay on the wall, but number two, you better double down on your commitments. The things that God has called you to, the things that you are committed to, there are moments when you're just going, I like that phrase, double down. That means I'm not backing away from, I'm going even harder. I'm doubling down on my commitments. Now, they said, hey, sources tell us, or I've heard reports, or there is a rumor. Can I tell you something? Don't give ear to rumors. Don't listen to rumors. Rumors are usually one of two things. They're either a form of false intimacy. Hey, I know something. I know something that you don't know. Are you with me? There's, that's why there's something appetizing about a rumor because I've got the insight. Did you know? Guess what I heard? Oh, man. and your flesh just wants to lean into that. It, it, rumors are either a false form of intimacy or they're a bid for control. Watch this. If they can't take your power, 
they'll try to destroy your reputation. Come on, are you with me? Is this helping anybody today? In those moments, you need to double down on your commitments. Nehemiah only concerns himself with that which is true. Only thing he cared about was truth. I don't care about accusation or, or the lies that you make. I cannot chase down everything that's being said. I've got to double down on truth. He concerns himself with the truth, and he's not worried about what's not. Let me say it this way. If it's not true, it doesn't apply to you. If it's not true, it doesn't apply to you. Paul reminds us in Philippians 4.8, he says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Don't give ear to rumor. Don't, enter, don't even entertain speculation. But, man, you stay devoted and committed to the truth. You say, Mike, why is that important? Because the devil's a liar. I said the devil is a liar. And anything he whispers to you is a lie. And so you can just identify that as not being true and thank God for the opposite. You see, you choose to believe what others say about you. Or you choose, you choose to find your identity in what the Lord says about you. Let me ask you this. How will you know what God says about you? You got to get in this book. Can I tell you this? Can I tell you? Oh, I'm, I'm kicking the bucket right here. Can I tell you the difference between lies and truth? Check this out. I don't want you to forget this. A lie has speed, but truth has endurance. Yeah, you see how that takes place in our culture? Man, lies get out the gate, and they run 100 miles an hour. A lie has speed, and sometimes we get nervous at how fast lies spread. But let me tell you something about truth. Truth endures to all generations. A lie will come and go. Don't base your life on the speed of a lie, but bank your eternity on the endurance of truth. Can somebody say amen? Keep your commitments in front of you. Double down on your commitments. As a church, we're doubling down on our commitments to serve the poor. What is 320 all about? These projects are not designed to add value to us, but it's to find those who are broken and hurting and say, how can we bring value to you? Now, in the current economy, I live in the same world that you do. Everything is more expensive. Uh, with the, rise of the, the, the rising costs of groceries and fuel, and, I mean, just to, to live today, to do today, you know, what, what, what we did five years ago, everything is different now. We're all being squeezed economically. But you know what? We're not going to let that be a distraction from our commitment as a church to help the poor. That's why we would receive a 320 offering on a day like today that says we're doubling down on our commitments. Why? Because foster care kids are worth it. Single moms are worth it. Widows are worth it. Inmates are worth it. Refugees are worth it. All the things that we're doing with the 320 offering this year, we're keeping our commitments in front of us. Mm. Look at what it says here, chapter 6, verse 15. So on October the 2nd, the wall was finished. I mean, no, God finishes the things that he starts. Paul said, I'm confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to finish it. When Jesus hung on the cross, he made an announcement. It is finished. 
You see, God gets glory when we finish the things that we start. Scripture says on October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. That's big. I'll talk to you about that in just a moment. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. The third thing is this. Number one, stay on the wall. Number two, double down on your commitments. But number three, you are never without help. You're never without help. He said, our enemies realize that God's help enabled us to finish the work. You see, every step of the way, God gave Nehemiah exactly what he needed. And listen to me, church, I want you to receive this in your spirit. God will give you everything you need to do what he's called you to do. Whatever assignment he has put on your life, he has promised that he will resource it. He's going to give you the strength, the capability, the capacity, the inspiration, the vision, the direction, whatever it is that you need, the resource, the relationship. God will give you what you need to do what he's called you to do. Man, Nehemiah needed favor. He went to the king and says, look, will you let me go back to my hometown? It's in disarray. It's, it, it, it's been in disgrace. I feel a burden to go back and help my people. He needed favor. Guess what? God gave him favor. Then, then he gets, he, he's traveling. He says, man, I need protection because I got enemies that are out there. Well, not only did he get favor, he had protection. And then he gets to Jerusalem, and he sees the, the city in ruins. And man, where do you even begin? He needed wisdom. God gave him wisdom. You see favor, protection, wisdom, and then he begins to work, and then he faces opposition, and he needs strength and determination. Not only did he have favor and protection and wisdom, but God gave him strength and protection, and everything, every step of the way, God supplied what Nehemiah needed. And I want you to know, if God did it then, he will do it Again, this is not the story of just Nehemiah and, and broken down walls. This is the story of God's people and God helping his people to accomplish his purposes. 52 days. The Bible says that they realized that God's help had accomplished the task. Can I tell you this? You may feel helpless. And it's okay to feel helpless but you are never without help. I have moments where I feel overwhelmed and underqualified, and I feel totally helpless. Some of you are in circumstances right now, and you feel helpless. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe it's in a relationship or, or, or something on your job. You feel totally ill-equipped. I don't even know where to begin or what to do. It's okay to feel Helpless, but I want you to know this, that help is on the way. Help has a name. It's called the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. Now, now listen, if we know we need help, why don't we ask for it more? Have you ever noticed that? We all recognize, oh, man, I, I need some help. But how often are we asking for it? You see, the good news is this. If you need help, you can ask for it. And God says, here I am. The help of the Holy Spirit will accomplish everything that concerns you. Bible says 52 days. Somebody say 52. Come on, say 52. Oh, amazing when you consider 120 years of brokenness 
and just 52 days to fix. Some of you are consumed with the 120 years of your brokenness, and God's saying, what lies on the other side of your 52 days? What, what will your life look like 52 days from now? What seems impossible to you is totally possible with God. Can somebody say amen? Can't do it on our own. Thank God we don't have to. We have help. Now, let me finish this. In Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 1, the Bible says this, After the wall was finished, I had set up the doors in the gates. The gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites, they were all appointed I gave the responsibility of governing Jerusalem to my brother, Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the fortress, for he was a faithful man who feared God more than most. Here's why I wanted to include, I think this is an important piece of Nehemiah's journey. Say, Mike, what's significant about this? Number four, don't be afraid to give power away. Don't be. Notice what Nehemiah does. When the assignment is complete, the wall has been finished, and it's time to step into a new season, what does Nehemiah do? Let me ask you this question. Who did all the heavy lifting in this story? There's probably nobody more qualified to be the governor of Jerusalem than Nehemiah himself. Man, he supplied the vision, the provision, the plan, the strength. Man, he guided them through the whole process. If anybody deserves to be governor, is Nehemiah. But what does he do? He gives power to his brother and says, listen, I want you to rule the city. I'm going back to Persia because I'm keeping my commitment to the king. You know, there's something about power that can be intoxicating. People love, let me tell you something about power. People love to grab it. Come on, somebody say power grab. How many's ever seen that? How many's seen that in a workplace? You've seen that in the community, and you've seen that in the HOA. Come on, somebody. I mean, you, everybody wants power. When it comes to power, most people want to grab it, and you know what God says to do with it? Give it. Instead of a power grab, God's people are about giving power away. Isn't that what Jesus did with his disciples? Jesus, before he left this earth, man, he told his disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you something. It's better for you that I go away because what I'm going to give you is even greater than what you're seeing now. Jesus left. He stepped out, and the disciples stepped up, and they were filled with power. Oh, this is so good. You know, when God blesses you, when the assignment is complete, when the promotion happens, when you experience success, don't grab power. Give it away because the truth is this. When you give power away, you never lose it. It simply multiplies. Hear that. Hear, now, hear me. Those of you that are business leaders, CEOs, and maybe you're in charge, whatever it is that you're in charge of, when you give power away, you never lose it. You just multiply your influence. Think about it. In a couple of weeks, we're going to light some candles. When, a, when one candle lights another, when one candle gives light to another, it never loses light. Are you with me? It spreads the lights. 
And here's why we give in a 320 offering is because we're not trying to garner something and gain something. We're giving because we know that in our giving, influence is multiplied. And when it spreads, you always get back more than what you give up. Can I have a good amen? Nehemiah says, listen, I did all the work, but I want you to get all the credit. And I think in the kingdom, in God's economy, Nehemiah's influence grew exponentially. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.